There are so many reasons to join Starfleet. We get to reach for the stars. We get to reach for the best in ourselves. We get to reach for each other. On your mark, Commander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS all-access series Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to talk about the 10th episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Red Angel. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Stargate story himself, Jeremy Barrow. How are you doing, man? Man, I am doing so much better than I have been the past couple of weeks. Thanks for asking. I am, I am glad to be back. Glad to have you on. You're sounding great. And also on the podcast, we have the tech story and Carrie Brown. How you doing, dude? I'm in, doing great. Pollen's attacking me, but other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, green vehicles are everywhere. What we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. So, guys, before we get into our review of this latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, does anybody have any news they want to talk about? I do. Um, If you're interested in Star Trek Bridge Crew, um, I was able to get Bridge Crew in the expansion for 17 bucks on Steam. So if you're interested in those two games. What is Star Trek Bridge Crew, sir? It's basically a virtual Star Trek um, simulator, I guess, where you and four people can, um, or you and three other people can um, pilot a starship and do missions and stuff. I still haven't played it yet. I w- I played this game called Artemis like crazy. Um, Good old and this is kind of like the Star Trek version of that. So, yeah, the awesome. spaceship bridge simulator. Yeah, I've played probably. 30 minutes of it i figured it'd be more fun with other people playing so if you got it i would love to jump on with you and just give it a run because i've had it for like probably eight months now and haven't really dove into it yet so and plus i want the enterprise bridge which i don't have so i might have to look that up yeah i'm really excited to try it so just let me know when you want to sweet we'll do that and we might even live stream it or something who knows uh, guys, so uh, if you're here listening, we would like you to subscribe on the podcast platform you're currently listening on. Uh, that ensures you get each and every episode. And if you're there on that said platform, please leave us a review or give us a thumbs up or a star. Whatever uh, you do would, would, would definitely be appreciated. So we are ready to dive right into this episode, Star Trek Discovery, The Red Angel. Season 2, Episode 10, which aired March 21st, 2019, directed by Hanel M. Culpepper. Burnham is stunned when she learns her ties to Section 31 run deeper than ever Phantom. Armed with the identity of the Red Angel, the USS Discovery goes to work on its most crucial mission to date. So, guys, let's go ahead and go around the horn and just get everybody's general opinion of this episode and i'm gonna start with jeremy on this one <laughs> jeremy what, what are you what are your thoughts on the red angel it was a good episode i did like it but it wasn't one of the stronger episodes of the season hmm. it filled its purpose i'll put it that way <laughs> awesome awesome carrie what do you think man well personally um 
I thought it was a pretty big mess. Um, I mean, just to be frank, I did not really enjoy it. This is the first episode of this entire show that I was just like, what in the world is happening? Um, <clears throat> I felt like they kind of pulled a few things out of their behind. And then there was other things where it was like, compared to past events, they kind of set a pre- like they broke precedence on a couple things. And I feel like, well, I'll get into it later. I just I didn't really like it. I'll just put it like that. <laughs> yeah. And um me and you had a chat on Hangouts as soon as we watched the episode. And largely upon my first viewing, my thoughts were directly in line with yours. I mean, completely, man. It just felt like a huge mess. But uh upon seeing it again, I kind of realized that, you know, this is the 10th episode of the season. And to me, the thing that made it feel so different is they purposely made it feel different. It was more of a cinematic tone than all of the rest of the episodes in this season. Um, in my personal opinion, whereas the first nine episodes, they were trying to steer the show more toward traditional Trek. And just the production of those episodes had more of that normal Trek feel. It seemed like there was this mandate that, that said on episode 10, we have to make it epic. We have to go super over the top cinematic, make those people know why they're paying for CBS all access. And to me, it kind of detracts from the essence of the episode. You know, one of the things that really bugged me about the episode, and, and if you go back and watch it, you'll notice this because it just irked me to no end, is there is this steady trickle of um score or underscore when people are talking, and it almost never stops throughout the whole episode. Now, normally like that is meant to, you know, push the viewer to uh in, in an effort to elicit some emotion. But in my opinion, it just made the episode feel weird for the first 60% of it. Did anybody notice like the music? Anybody? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, the music is, is just one of those things where I don't notice until someone brings it to my attention like you are now. Hmm. Now that you mentioned it, I, I, I do recall the music um, not really stopping. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. And and the thing is, like, it was in an it was an aid to make it feel more cinematic, you know. And and I I see what they were, after watching it again, I see exactly what they were going for. Um, the whole tone of this episode felt like they were going for the big and the bombastic. And some parts of the episode, I feel like they fell hugely on it. But by the end, I think it finally sort of kind of comes together. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So let's kick things off, and I want to go to Carrie on this one. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Arian's funeral. What did you think, man? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. <clears throat> okay, so before I say anything else, I just want to say, like, when... <laughs> When Uh-oh. Saru started singing, like I just, I lost it, dude. Like I was like, "What in the world is happening?" And then I was like, "Oh God, please don't show him singing. Please don't show." Him. And then at the end, they show him singing, and I lost it again. Like it's just like my entire problem with that scene is that 
we've had people die in the past. Like Hugh Cover died in the last season, and like he was a far more integral part of the show. Yeah. Um, and like it was just like Nick Nick Snap the end like next episode like there was no like lingering on his death like it was some huge loss and now we have somebody who had didn't have two speaking parts in an episode before the last one and now they're getting this huge grandiose funeral with everybody talking about how much they miss her and saru you know (laughs) belting out his his tune his kelpian tune like it just it just seemed kind of out of place. Like I get that um, she's a part of the crew, but you know, given like the precedence that was set in the last season, it just seemed like a little much. <laughs> no, I'm 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 right there with you, and and that was actually Doug Jones singing that as he <laughs> stated on Twitter, which makes it even more creepy in a way. Um, Jeremy, what did you think of the whole Aryan funeral sequence, man? I'm 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 inclined to agree with both of you. I mean, I I liked it. It was a nice scene, but it felt out of place because going through all the other episodes of all the other iterations of Star Trek where bigger characters have died and you know, not even really acknowledged like the next episode, it did seem really out of place and really out of character for the show. But I mean, it was a nice scene aside from the singing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it, it it could have been done without. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just echo, you know, you guys. Uh, I do think it was very beautiful, a very beautiful, touching tribute to Arium. But I think the huge problem, <laughs> which you guys stated, is like we we only know this character from like part of one episode. You know, we of course saw her a few times previous to. Um, her, her grand episode, uh, project dateless. Uh, but I think what we kind of get with her, get from her before that point was mostly bad things because she was being infiltrated by this, you know, control virus and she was kind of seen in a bad or a, a bad light in a sense. So to have this like huge, grandiose, beautiful send off in which Saru uh, belts out this awesome tune, uh, it just felt weird. It just felt weird. Now, thing to note, they did wipe her data, which we know that that uh, instantly goes through uh, before they send her off, which, you know, makes sense because, you know, computer enemy can't get all that. Um, right. And, and, you know, there were a few metaphoric metaphoric messages in the speech that Burnham as well as Stamets gave during that funeral. So I thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, again, while I do think it was beautiful, it just felt un completely unearned, completely unearned. Okay. I got one more question. What's with the fetish with ejecting dead bodies into space? Like <laughs> that's, that's a Star that Trek even, thing. Is man. that even practical? Like I've seen it on other, like they do it on guardians of the galaxy and like some other stuff. Like when, other sci-fi shows I've seen when somebody dies, they just eject them in the space. Like, like what? Why? Yeah. Why? 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 You can't keep them on the ship. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would like to think that's more like, of a storage issue. I would like, be like incinerate, going? incinerate me or something. <laughs> don't just, don't just eject my body in the space. Well, you know, actually, Star Trek: The Voyager actually kind of addressed that in one episode where you know one of somebody had died and they ejected their body in the space, and then another alien race came and. Like that's how they reproduced. Yeah, was they get by dead taking bodies. these right. So maybe they're you know trying to repopulate parts of 
other races. Maybe, I don't know. Say, as many of these dead bodies to get ejected into space, like there should be, they should be hitting one like every couple episodes. Like, <laughs> I, I just in my mind, I just see this this vast like sea of dead bodies just floating around in space. That, Ooh, and they're putting them in these um, torpedo casings, aren't they? Yeah, like they are. are they like shooting cases. them towards a star or something, or they just they just, I don't know, man. <laughs> if they're shooting them towards a star, okay, I get that because they're not yeah. they're not going to stop unless they hit something. So that makes right. sense. To me. But if they're just shooting them out to like, see, to, now you're starting to sound like me, wanting an answer to a question that there is no answer to, and just want to hang on to it, just want to let I go get of that it. It's kind of allegorical and like symbolic. You know, I get that, but I, I just think about it in practical way. It just makes no sense. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's sort of, I guess it's sort of equivalent to... No, I was thinking of these um, uh, movies where they float the people out into the middle of the lake and then they shoot arrows at them, but at least right. the body's getting burnt then, you know? I don't... It, it, it may be their equivalent to burial at sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that makes some sense. Let's lean to talk about the debrief a little bit. Maybe there's nothing to be garnered here. Uh, was was their analysis pretty much what we all just thought was happening in the last episode? You mean about the AI or the yeah Red about Angel the AI? Suit? Oh, yeah. the AI, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Let's take that just a little bit further, and we get the arrival of Section Thirty One. You know, the bad guys rendezvous with <laughs> with the Discovery, and uh, this part really irks me. Leland and this need to know basis. Does it make any sense for them to hold the information of the origins of this suit so late in the game? Zero. Especially the the thing that the thing that the, it's like every like even eh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like everybody's looking for the Red Angel, like and they know who it is and who has the suit, and they're just like, yeah, we'll look too. I guess we'll act like we don't know too. Like it, it just makes no sense. And, and it's it, a power move. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a power move. But but to me, it kind of neg- negates parts of what they've been doing thus far. Now, I know they were in the search for Spock to get more information on the Red Angel. But to me, it would have aided their pursuit had they just can't come clean from the beginning. Because it's this, drum, it's this you know drum the thing where we're trying to find Spock to get information. I guess this are the audience point of view. Maybe, you know, <laughs> I blame Starfleet, t- man. Yeah. Like how do you how do you have an organization completely unchecked? Like yeah. I get that they go off and they do their own thing and nobody asks questions, but at least somebody in in power should know what they're doing. Like somebody should know, even if it's only like one person, but you have the head of the entire Starfleet, I'm assuming that's who um I can't remember her name. Admiral Cornwell. I'm assuming that's who she is. Well, I mean, well, and, and like nobody knows what these people are doing. Like nobody does. Like but, the, the, that makes no sense. But but you would think Admiral Cornwell, as well as the other admirals that we saw that were once at the Section Thirty One control, they should know all of this. And yes. why, why wouldn't Cornwell know? I I don't exactly. see why Cornwell would not know about this project. It makes no sense. If anybody should know about it. It would be like her. I get why the, the discovery people don't know about it, but somebody higher up should have known. 
Just like I don't get how nobody knew about the other big reveal before the end, anyway, in this episode. Like I don't get how nobody knew that. Yeah, like, it, just, it but, just doesn't make any sense. But, but, but good point, good point. You know, I just talked a second ago about them getting, um, you know, Tilly searching through Arium's memory, and. Th- <laughs> See, to me, this this part right here is me that is them just drumming up drama, for lack of better words, in order for the payoff at the end. Because how would Tilly get the bioneural signature wrong as well as Cobra? I think both of them scanned the signature and both of them said it definitely was Burnham. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. Don't you think they, they would kind of know? painted themselves into a corner? Yeah. With that. Yeah. Because I mean, it's like, what if it's a twin? Then. Is that what they said? No, they said, what if it's a clone? He was like, there are certain biosignature things that, pe-, you know, like they, yeah. they went to this deep explanation and it was all kind of moot. So. You, you think they would know if they they would be able to detect if it was a, an error? You know, you would think they would be able to do that. But no, it's definitely Burnham, which, you know, um, it could be another mystery that we haven't uncovered yet. Maybe it is Burnham. Maybe biosignatures that aren't as um as that aren't as accurate as DNA. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. I don't make know any what a biosignature means. It sounds pretty accurate, whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So, like, yeah, okay, we'll get into that. But, but, but again, but again, I'm holding that maybe somewhere down the line, Burnham maybe takes over the suit and does the things we think she's doing. So maybe it is Burnham after all. You get what I'm saying there? Yeah, mm. I mean, I, I I get what you're saying, but I, well, I'm just they kind of put. They kind of put a bow on all that, though. I don't think it is like because, mm. you know, we were all thinking that the suit was from the future and we yeah. find out it's not. It's not from the future. <sighs> See, if, <laughs> it, wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I would be right with you. It could be an older version of Burnham, but they kind of they kind of like yeah. kill that. But it could be the current version of Burnham is what I'm saying as as uh, as a pushback, because. <clears throat> When they captured the suit by the end of this episode, something could happen, happen, which makes her get in the suit and go do some stuff. You know, I don't know. Time, time is weird. Just, I'm confused. Certain things that don't make any sense. Like even thinking about it now, like, okay. So if the whole point of having of the suit was to protect Burnham, which is kind of what they say. Am I, am I jumping too far ahead? No, go ahead. We'll, we'll jump all around this episode. It's not a lot actually. So we'll just jump around where we need. So like if the whole point is mother protecting child, which is kind of what they at least implied at the beginning of the episode and, and the main part of the episode implies that it's not really implied. It's stated and proven that the only reason that she's doing all this is to protect Michael. Why show Spock visions of the future and all the planets being hey. exploded? Like, how do you explain that? Yeah. How does that even work? Well, that's that's why I was wondering where Spock comes in all this because he wasn't even in their lives when everything happened. So, yeah. like, how does how? I mean, there. Where does where where does the line go from Michael to Spock before they knew each other? The only thing I can see making sense is, the, and this is just me being completely ridiculously specu- speculative, like I've been doing the last few episodes. To me, the only reason that I would feel okay with what happened in this last episode is if there are actually two red angels that are that we've been seeing and not one. Like yeah. that, that would be the only way that I could resolve all this in my head. Otherwise, it just makes no sense. 
Hmm. I fully agree with that. Hmm. Or not even just more, maybe not even just two, like, you know, multiple red angels. Yeah. And I think maybe I want to talk about, you know, we, we talk about the backstory of uh, Burnham and the fact that Section 31 has been in her lives, in her life so much and that her parent parents actually worked for Section 31 and they developed this red angel suit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the mystery. I like the breadcrumbs that they lay in this episode. But I just think they're giving Burnham just way too much importance. And when you look at Trek going forward, let's look at what we have. Let's let's paint the picture already of what we have with Burnham. We have somebody that started the, the uh, Federation Klingon War. Check. <laughs> and we also have someone who is integral to this. And I'm going to say eventually stopping this AI from the future that threatens all sentient life. But yet we know nothing about this character in Trek future. So it just feels a little weird to me that they're making her so important. I always thought that the premise of Burnham on the show was going to be centered around us just being along for the ride in for her in her rise in rank. Not so much that she's so important to the Federation as a whole, you know? Yeah, right. I, I, I feel like my ceiling for her when I first started watching the show was her becoming a captain of her own ship. Like, I thought that was a ceiling and like they went way past yeah. that. Yeah. She's so and important. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about this um, Thursday night, but it's like you insert somebody forcefully into canon and then you make them basically the Star Wars version of um <laughs> of Luke Skywalker. And like yeah. nobody else in any other story knows who this character is. They never appeared. So eventually at the end, they're going to have to explain away. They're going to have to explain that like something's going to have to happen to her or something to where. Nobody knows who she is. Spock doesn't know who she is. Yeah, just weird. <laughs> see, I, I did see an article or comment something here recently about explaining exactly what you're talking about, saying the only way they can reconcile building up this Messiah character of Michael Burnham is to have her erase herself from history in order yeah. to save his. Yeah, I was going to say they're going to have to deus ex machina or something to where nobody. Yeah, you're exactly right. Which makes suck. me even. Would... Which makes me even matter. Like, because what was right. the point? <laughs> what was the point of this yeah. journey? <laughs> exactly. It's mm. <sighs> now. I, I will say some things about the time travel. I will say I like that the impetus of Section Thirty One's race to build something that could time travel is that they knew the Klingons were doing it too. So the purpose of them even pursuing <laughs> that. Was was for a you know protection thing or a power thing? Arms race. What's that? It's an arms race. Yeah, arms. There you go, an arms race. And <sighs> I don't. Didn't she see her parents die though? Didn't she watch them die? Yeah, she's she, supposedly. She was like in a closet or something. She was like in the room, but you know I don't think she physically witnessed their death. If I'm remembering, like, if, if I'm remembering that, yeah, correctly. she was peeking through like a, a door or something. Is is what happened? It's also, also very convenient, by the way, yeah. that she doesn't actually physically see them die. Hmm. Um, maybe, maybe it was another hologram. 
<laughs> well, well, I mean, dude, uh, uh, according to the book, and I know they've pretty much thrown the book to the wind, which kind of ticks me off. One, that makes me mad, too. Yeah. I mean, one thing I found weird, too, is like the whole time crystal thing. Now, they established the time crystal last season with uh, Harry Mudd, uh, Magic to Make the Saints Man Go Mad. They established the time crystal. But to me, I know we have gods and entities in Star Trek, and the supposedly the time crystal is crafted by a fourth dimensional being. I don't know what that means. It sounds like a god to me. In, in any case, to me, it just sounds like a magical trinket that can do anything. You know, it can power this suit that is traveling through time. Just this one crystal. And just think the amount of power that would take to do such a thing. I I don't know. I could see the reasoning, but it just sounds like a magical little thing that doesn't really fit in Star Trek to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's just, it, this is the episode that makes me think just as soon as they're starting to get like the heart of Star Trek, they, they just rip that heart out <laughs> and stop all over it. It, it. To me, this whole episode feels like a filler episode. It's like, we've, we've got X amount of episodes for the season to do. We've got this whole plot land figured out, but we're still like one or two episodes short of filling in this order. So let's just kind of mash this one all together, hmm. stick it here, and hope hope it's going to work out in the end. <laughs> I will say ninety. I won't say that. I say like sixty percent of it felt very unnecessary. I will agree with you. And let's just go ahead and pivot, and we'll we we're jumping around, but let's just go for it. Um, let's just pivot into what I consider maybe the most cringeworthy, or one of the most cringeworthy scenes besides the real singing in this show period and that's when um emperor now operative oh, emperor God. jojo totally backtracks on all the progress she's made with michael burnham and just have has just like this out of <sighs> the, the the conversation she had with her tilly colburn stamets to me, she just totally went back to Emperor Jojo and it is totally against every all the growth we've seen from her this season. And even in this episode, it's like well, they just I mean, the thing about that whole scene is that they're they're trying to make her look magnanimous, like they're trying to make her look smarter than it looks. And it just comes off cringy. Like, I don't think she was actually trying to come on to Stamets or on to Culver at all. I just think she was trying to make them realize that they still cared about each other. And right. may maybe I'm just giving her too much credit, but like, that's like, it was pretty cringe. I'll give you that, but I don't feel like she was actually like trying to like get some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, at the I, end, at the end, like what she did says at the end kind of just canceled. Like it just made me realize that she was just kind of like, I can't even remember what she said. She said something, but Until she like said something that happened. <laughs> Yeah, before that. I. But it, it was really cringe, though. I'll give you that. But I don't I didn't see it as like an, a sincere attempt. You know, it wasn't like her trying to eat Saru or anything, but it was still <laughs> it was still weird. She was trying to eat something else. Uh, <laughs> uh, your thoughts on that scene, Jeremy? Any? Uh, I, I kind of agree. I don't I don't think she was trying to, you know, tap anybody. I think she was just trying to show them that, you know. Even through all that's happened, they're, they're, they still love each other in mm -hmm. this universe and the others in her weird Empress Georgia way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
I'm going to jump back to a uh, real quick tidbit. The, the Lieutenant Nelson who came on to came to the bridge to replace Arium actually was the first Arium before Hannah Cheeseman came in as Arium in season two. So I thought that was pretty cool. For real? Was that the actress in the suit? Yeah, that was the actress in the suit for the first season. Oh, that, that's kind of neat. That, that's yeah. kind of nice little Easter egg there. Yeah. Thanks, the Eric Hedgerton, for that one. I guess she had the long contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't want to get killed off. I don't blame her. Right. She did not want a red shirt that day. Yeah, and also real quick I want to bring up that I think it was Leland that says that it was theorized that all of the technological advancements in the past were the result of time travel. Did you guys catch that? Yes. Any thoughts on that? I mean, we've witnessed it in Trek, but any thoughts? I just, I just thought of Voyager immediately. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Hetherington mentions the episode "Futures In" when they go back to like 1995. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, you have that one, and even First Contact. You know, it always kills me when, and I was just watching yesterday's Enterprise today, but it always kills me when. They do something in order to make the timeline be how they thought it should go. But who who's to say that's how it should go? You know, so if you think about First Contact, the movie, they go and help Cochran reach warp for the first time. The TNG folks help them do that. So is that kind of breaking? They do it because of the Borg, obviously, but still. So I guess let's just go ahead and jump to sort of the last few scenes. Let's talk about the. First, talk about the boxing Burnham uh, scene. Uh, Carrie, thoughts? I know you like that scene. Yeah, I, it was nice to see her, you know, punch that dude in the face because he arguably has the most punchable face in um, Star <laughs> oh, you, Trek. You talk about that Discovery. boxing Burnham. Well, to me, they're kind of like the same scene. So she punches him out. Then she goes to punch on the punching bag. Ah, good point. And good point. like to blow off the rest of her steam because I'm pretty sure she wanted to kill him. <laughs> um and you know we get the unexpected unexpected conversation with Spock, which to me was the best part of the entire episode. Um, that this part that that conversation slash the whole fisticuffs in to me that was one of the best parts of the entire episode, probably the best, one of my two favorite. And um, they kind of you know I feel like they kind of get a little closer. I don't know what do you guys think. I love that scene because, you know, the thing about Seneca Martin Green is she she has a very, very emotional face. <laughs> and I don't know something about the way she reacted. I could feel the weight being lifted off the character's shoulder uh, when Spock actually forgave her. You know, I could I could feel that for some reason. And that's just a testament to the acting of. Of Sonika Marta Green, which she's asked to do a lot in this episode, believe it or not. She is asked to do a lot of emotional reaction, um, especially there at the end. And um, yeah, let's just go ahead and get into the end. Uh, so now, there, well, there is one scene I want to talk about before we get to the sure, end, because this kind of this kind of has a, a what I think is a Lorca connection when they're trying to get more power on the Section 31 ship and Leland has to go. I guess authorize the use of of more power to whatever, and that thing just shoots his these I guess two sticks into his eyeballs. Yes. What is he dead? Like what happened? Hmm. 
Thoughts? Well, I did notice one thing on the intercom. He was still talking to the um the captain. Wait, after all that happened. Wait, was he? So I guess that was the control. Yeah. Was that control? Like, cause he was talking to Captain Pike after that happened. Really? Yeah. Huh. Or actually, but, not Captain Pike. He was talking to Tyler. I'm sorry. But did but, they show him again? No, they didn't show him. Wow. Just that voice. They, Dude, they, they showed his him because his eyes poked. But you're good, Kara, uh, If you catch that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his voice, like, go back and look. His voice is, like, after that happens, you hear his voice. So, Jeremy, you, you're very well big control. So, Jeremy, you're doing, a, you're saying a connection to Lorca because his eyes got. Well, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like, you know, directly connected. I'm just saying that the parallel, you know, that, because, you know, Lorca had this issue where he couldn't see bright lights and nobody, and that was never really explained. So I'm yeah. wondering if it's like, it, you know, something similar to him, I guess, in either this universe or. The mirror universe happened to where, you know, something physically happened to his eyes yeah. in that manner hmm. to where he couldn't see light the way, you know, we can. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking like control is still on that ship. And I agree with Carrie. I need to go back and watch this scene because I didn't notice, you know, him talking afterwards. <laughs> but I don't know if it killed him or he just like, you know, knocked his eyes out. But he seemed like he was out for a minute. So that's pretty that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big physical sacrifice to have to make for more power. If it's, I guess, if it's absolutely, they, you know, you better make damn sure this is what you want because <laughs> you're gonna be paying. It costs you your eyes. <laughs> yep, I just went back and watched. He definitely talks to Tyler before he shoots the beam to close the wormhole. Like he talks to him like right before he does that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So let's let's just go ahead and unpack this plan to lure the Red Angel in, <laughs> which is to use human bait, you know, just just string her out there on the hook, and um, you know, uh, almost kill her in a sense to to lure the Red Angel to a specific location where they can use their uh, techno babbly stuff to actually lock her in and. And be able to figure out who the Red Angel is. Well, capture, because they know who she is, right? Um, what are our thoughts on this whole scene? My only question is, like, does she have a low jack on Michael or something? Like, how does she know that she's about to die? Like, that mm. that part makes no sense to me. Mm. Well, she's from the future. I'm sure there's records somewhere. But that sounds though. I, she she did she I'm go not, read a newspaper from presenting like, with a problem, I'm presenting with a solution. I never said it was a <laughs> <laughs> But it's like it's like it's like how uh time travel's stupid. It really is. I fully agree with that statement. Just because I, she she's from the future, she jumps in the instant she dies, and I get that you know you know again like philosophically or i guess like figuratively i get it but like when you think about it practically it just doesn't make sense Hmm. yeah and maybe the fact that it's not to me it would be a lot harder to um it'd be it'd be a lot harder to uh explain it if it was actually burnham that winds up coming back as a red angel but 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 the fact (laughs) that that is a good point yeah i didn't even think about that she actually dies yeah the fact that it's her mother she's like oh she died i need to go save her you know so she knows it makes more sense he knows when she dies actually so you know maybe maybe they they did a little good thing there you know it makes a little sense but she's not actually from the future during all this but actually, she's probably been to the future. I would assume. She's been from the future, but she's not from the future. So is she just sitting in the future waiting? 
for Michael to die to go back to save her or, you know, she's <sighs> from this time period. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't. You know, I, I, I wonder if, if this is kind of my theory. I wonder if something happens when she tries to use a suit to get away from the Klingons that makes her get suspended in time or something. You know what I'm saying? Where she the can't really. Realm. The quantum realm. Yeah. <laughs> Where she can't actually ever come out. I could see that kind of happening maybe, but. I don't know. And why would she just not come back to her daughter? You know, I mean, your kid is still growing up without you and you're up here wondering time and space. I don't know. And it, it, (laughs) and again, and again, like I, I hate to do this, but if this actually really happened, like what happened to all those times he was in trouble last season? Like, what what why did the red angel pop up then? Yeah. She almost died on the Klingon ship. But she um, knew she wasn't gonna die, so she didn't come. Nah, <laughs> this is that convenient. <laughs> was was she gonna die with when when Saru was trapped on the Kelpian planet? Like was she gonna die then? Maybe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Probably not. Maybe. But um, what I do think this sets up, if you saw the next on preview, I think the Klingons are going to be back to try to take the technology. I think that's what it's setting up for the rest of the season. Um, you think Lorel's going to like turn? I don't know if Lorel's going to hit it, but it seems like from the previews that it's going to have something to do with the Klingons. Oh, she was dead. Go ahead. I thought Lorel was dead. No, Lorel is no. Dead. The Chancellor is dead. George okay. saved her. Remember? Okay. Okay. She saved uh, her and their their son. Like and- saved all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm good now. I'm, okay. <laughs> Pretend that didn't happen. I don't know, man. Anything else in this episode? I feel like we've been jumping around. One thing, Eric, another thing that Eric mentioned, our friend Eric Hetherington in Canada, uh, the use of Daedalus and Icarus, the father who built a set of wings for himself and his son, the son who flew too close to the sun. So, you know, I, I think they're kind of trying to tie it in there, sort of. He gone. <laughs> he gone. <laughs> Any other takeaways, guys? Any other takeaways? I feel like we've been going all around this story and yeah, I think we're just it's confused. Just, <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I'm going to watch it again, but my initial reaction, like I said, it was a strong, like, what, WTF. And like, normally I'm down for whatever they do, but it's just, I mean, when you spend half a season setting up this, this story and then like i won't i won't even say turn on his head there was just all these things that just seemed like they were just kind of shoveled in yeah so i don't know we'll see what happens in the next episode but 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 i I do like it you know the journey to get there might not have been the greatest in this episode but i do like the fact that it's her mother i kind of like that yeah, the end, like I said, the end was the other part that I really enjoyed on this episode. Like, after all the ridiculousness with her, like, dying and out in the middle of the poison, whatever, like, that whole thing was stupid. It, it but was, the end part, the end part was good. I'll give you that. What, what, what's up with Spock? Like, uh, do not, no. do, do not, Let we gotta wait, die. wait longer. And George Joe, the emperor who was just being a weird person, like, 20 <laughs> minutes ago, is the one, like, you have to save her. <laughs> so. I'm like, man, people are just acting all out of character, man. It's just, I mean, of course, Spock was doing a logical thing, you know, to save all sentient life 
on well he was right because i mean like you said if she could see the future and see that she didn't (laughs) die then she wouldn't have came she wouldn't have come i don't know so that part actually did make sense to me what he did because it was really the only way to get her to come because she's from the future she's gonna know if she dies or not right yeah or she's not from the future she is able to travel to the future and read the newspaper See yeah. when she died. <laughs> Read the almanac. I don't know, Jeremy. Any final thoughts, man? Um. Well, I, I'm. I'm kind of. I. I'm not sure if this is the right word, but I'm surprised, but not shocked that it was Michael's mom. That's the Red Angel. Kind of. I'm not sure how I feel about that yet. I. I, I kind of want to see how this plays out before I decide if I'm annoyed by it or not. But. um Where's Jet, where's Jet Reno during all this this big <laughs> engineering that they had to do? Um, she went to do her other that, show called One that Mississippi. The, <laughs> that the mushroom expert had to do. I mean, and yeah, when did was, Colbert when did get back into the the Starfleet part, the medical part of it? I mean, I thought he was kind of wandering around doing his own thing, trying to find himself out, and then all of a sudden he's the he's the doctor on on the deck. Dude, to make I thought sure he was that, you know. I thought he was going to be a, on the Soldier Squad or something. Me he's too. Back. And why is he just wandering around wearing suits? He's like wearing like a suit walking around Discovery. I'm like, the dude looks right. very no, no, he just He's just wandering around trying to figure out who he is now. And then all of a sudden, he's the, the Starfleet doctor, you know, I'm to make horse. sure when they, when they, right. I mean, what's. Uh, he's Tobey Maguire after the symbiote. He's turned. <laughs> he's not. Look at you. Though. Look at me. I'm helping Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think him and Stamets need to go ahead and, you know, get back. Bang, bang it out. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> I'm getting tired of seeing them drag this story out. They dragged it over like three episodes, and you know they're going to get back together, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, again, like I'll just get my final thoughts. I enjoyed the episode. Uh, it does feel like a movie, and that's probably, that's, that's probably my problem with the episode because I was so used to that um, TNG feel that they were going for in the other ones. And then this one, they decided to just ramp it up to 10 and or 100, excuse me, and just go all cinematic music scorey and stuff. And I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like it after after they've established this more subtle trick tone that i love so much it, it just felt kind of out of place but you know i watched it again and you know with that in mind i enjoyed it a lot more so there you go yeah i feel like the previous episodes have been a lot more cerebral than this one this was just kind of like i don't want to say cheap because that's the wrong word but it it just felt like not very cerebral <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and like you said jeremy it wasn't a lot of story there um, it definitely was, it, it, it was more so maybe 6% filler. You know what I'm saying? Recap right. of what we've done before. <laughs> and then the last little bit was, you know, the stuff that really got your heart pumping. So, you know, it, it felt like it was kind of uneven in that sense. It's kind of like leftover night, leftover night at mama's house. You know, you, you, you got all this food that you got to go ahead and get out of the fridge before it goes bad. And there's, there's not quite enough to feed anybody. So we're going to cook a little bit of this too. <laughs> to add to it. <laughs> That's kind of what this episode felt like. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it does set up the rest of the season. And, you know, for that, uh, I think I'm ready for it. Um, So let's go around the horn, guys, real quick and see what everyone is working on. I'll start with you, Jeremy. Uh, What do you have to plug? Podcast related or otherwise, man? 
Um, really, at nothing at the moment. Jonathan and I are still trying. We're we're still like in the I guess the the beta process of this J and J start talking. Um, with with work that being as hectic as it is, it's hard to get us together long enough to do to think about what to do on a podcast, much less to actually do a podcast. So um, that's still kind of that's still on the back burner for now, but it'll it'll come. It'll happen. All right, man. Well, Carrie, man, what are you working on, podcast related or otherwise? Wednesday, Tech Edition, nine thirty p.m. Facebook Live. Watch, ask questions, participate. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I'll just reiterate what Carrie said. If you are into tech, check us out on the Tech Edition podcast, which can be found at facebook.com slash techpedition where like you said we go live every week on Wednesday nights alright guys thank you all for joining uh, send in questions because you know how do you feel about this episode because I was a little bit confused um, are we are we happy with the reveal of the red angel please send in questions or comments to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up on any of the social media at Discussing Trek. Thank you all for joining. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.